Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett, and co-host, Patricia Glover-Howard. Hi, Patricia. Good evening, Bernice. How are you? Girl, I'm ready for this tonight. (laughs) Well, everyone, Patricia will monitor the chat room and post comments concerning our discussion tonight. Well, I'm happy to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, please sign in through your Blog Talk Radio account. Well, tonight's show will focus on a film entitled By Any Other Name, an Exploration of Afro-American Indian Heritage with Stephen Gale. Stephen Gale is a filmmaker and educator originally from Philadelphia and now residing in the Atlanta area. He earned his bachelor's in history education from the University of North Carolina at Pembroke and a master of arts in media and communications from Norfolk State University. He is currently pursuing his Ph.D. in international conflict management at Kennesaw State University. He has worked in the educational and media production fields for nearly a decade and is constantly seeking new ways to incorporate the two disciplines in different formats. Most recently, he has focused on his his research on genealogy and and African-American and Native American history. And his latest project, By Any Other Name, An Exploration of Afro-American Heritage. So he is hoping that this film will stand as a meaningful contribution in the realm of historical documentaries and in understanding both the African-American and Native American diasporas. So let me give a warm welcome to Stephen D. Gale to research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Stephen. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Well, I'm I'm so glad that you reached out to be on the show. So yeah, you definitely. have selected an intriguing research project. So give us some background on this project. Yeah, so um you know, growing up, I knew very little about my ancestry and my family history. Um, and one of the things, like, we would always kind of throw out there from time to time where we we kind of would talk about uh, this idea that somebody in our family was descended from a Native American. And, you know, I always kind of dismissed it and looked at it as one of those things that, you know, every African American seems to have that kind of claim in their family history um, and there's very little to verify it one way or the other. And so I just kind of overlooked it in the same way that we look at African-American history as this nebulous thing, our ancestry rather, as this nebulous thing where you can never really find out the truth. And you can never really find out the your, the truth of your origin or, or anything like that. So um, over time, as I got older, 
Um, and, you know, as we started losing people in the family that kept a lot of that family history going, um, I started paying more attention to our family history and what was available to us. And um, I noticed there wasn't a lot, you know, that everybody in the family actually knew um, regarding that. So I just wanted to keep going with it and researching it and asking around and asking different family members what did they know and what could I, you know, start incorporating in my research just as a, a, a project or a personal project more than anything. And um, I started, as I kept going on with the research, my, my mother actually said, you know, this would be a good film. You should do a documentary on this. And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, one day, I don't know. And um, it wasn't until I actually relocated to Georgia where uh, my great-grandmother was actually from that I started taking it a little bit more seriously and I started really looking into it because I was like, well, I've never been to Georgia prior to that, but now I'm here, so I feel like I'm here for a reason. And maybe that reason is to learn more about my family history in this state, if nothing else. So um, I kind of took it upon myself to to create this film. And in the process, I wanted to not just be, you know, a, a vanity project about my own family history, but to kind of talk about the larger questions that come up with this, that come up when you discuss this topic. And so I wanted to talk about what does that look like uh, for everybody, you know, what all these individuals that have dismissed their own ancestry or their own um, ancestral claims or, um, you know, the, their their history, their family history, what does that sound like? What does that look like when you really start unpacking it? What does it look like when we start um, acknowledging and stop ignoring? And so um, I decided just to kind of move forward with the project and create a film around it and see what we could do, you know, like what, how far could I really go with my research and how can that be linked to other aspects of uh, the black experience and African-American history and understanding ourselves as African-Americans um, in this country. And then I think there's large implications beyond the United States even, but um, I at least wanted to, to have something that kind of started a conversation about this and gave it some academic credence. Because there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of uh, half-truths, and a lot of omissions, I feel, um, in in academia and outside of academia amongst personal researchers that kind of just, everybody just wants to omit this, this kind of history of this interaction between these two people groups at very um, interesting points of, of our collective history. So I, I decided to, to move forward with the project with that, with that in mind. And, um, yeah, and now I'm here with, you know, showing the film and discussing it and trying to expand on it as many ways as I can. Well, tell us what have you uncovered through through your research and trying to figure out where did this come from and and how do the two groups kind of come together as you you said you're trying to figure this out. Right. So with um with my family I I followed my uh maternal grandfather um his line and he would uh at the time he was uh he recently passed but at the time when I interviewed him he just said you know both of his parents had native american ancestry um one was from Tennessee the other one was from Georgia and there was little else that was really known about that so um I kind of followed the line that I was closest to in terms of location because I felt like there'd be more leads in that, that regard. So I started with uh, my great grandmother Edna Pettigrew and um, you know, she was born in the late 1800s and I think the age ranges in my family really aided that process um, because she was born in the late 1800s. Her father actually had, her pretty late in life she was the youngest of her siblings and he had her uh when he was close to 70 years old i believe 67 years old possibly um because he was born in the uh the 1830s so you know uh and it was a range in terms of when he was born as i'm sure you're familiar with the date ranges that that come with uh Genealogical, genealogical research when it comes to 
you know, figuring out when people are born. It kind of ranges, you know, sometimes 10-year spans. And, um, you know, as I started looking at, at this history, you know, there were a lot of uh, a lot of holes where I feel like, you know, there shouldn't have been. You know, there were certain census records, like 1880 census records, where people weren't showing up. I think we've lost our guest. I'm going to have to call him back. He, he's Just hold on, everybody. I'm going to call him back. Look like we lost him. Stephen, are you back on? Yes. Okay, well, you, you, your call dropped. I know. Huh? Uh, but, okay, um, let me just make sure that everybody has sound now. Can all of okay. you all hear me, chatters? Can you hear me? <laughs> Anybody can respond to me. Okay, I, I think it's okay. Um, let me just let me send the chatters a note. Okay, they can hear. Okay, I'm sorry. We okay. we. You, your call dropped just when you were making a point. <laughs> you were talking about your uh, your family and the the age uh, yes. the age of your grandmother, uh, great grandmother, and um, so your family had this this information saying that they had they were descendants or someone was a descendant of a Native American person. So right. tell us more about that. So um, the film follows the the subject. The main subject that I'm tracing is, uh, or the line that I'm tracing is through my great grandmother. And um, as I was saying, she was born in the late 1800s, but then her father was born in the 1830s. And then his mother was born, uh, according to records, in the late 1700s, like 1790s, in that range. And so um, it kind of lends itself to a historical analysis using certain um, historical events, you know, to, to kind of frame it for people. And that's kind of the, it just kind of lined up that way. So I decided to, to tell the story in that way. So I talked about how um, the Atlanta riots impacted the black community in Georgia, um, how Indian removal, which happened in the 1830s, coincided with the time period in which my family, in which one of my family members was born. So um, essentially I just tried to try to give people a framework for understanding using a variety of uh, historical events to kind of frame it for them using my genealogy. And as I said, like I wanted to focus on the uh, larger picture, but using the specificity of my uh, family history. Right. So when you say focus on the larger picture, tell us exactly where you're going with this, the larger picture, because you have so many uh, people of African descent who to this day are saying that they had Native ancestry. Uh, But are you saying that perhaps this is not true? Are you trying to help them figure it out or just have this dialogue? When did this enter the whole part of our family history where Native American ancestry and the African American community uh, seems to be a prominent piece of, of uh, focus for them? Well, I think that um, overall, I think when it when you start to see it come up, it, it always seems to kind of range to, you know, someone's great-grandmother, or, and it's always unverified. And one of the things that I found over time is that in most cases, I think that you can usually trace it back to somebody who is classified as mulatto on record and, um, in most cases. Now, I think it ranges, but, you know, my, my overall goal wasn't to say that one individual was, you know, or several people are saying that they're Native American or these groups of people are more likely to be than this group or, you know, that really wasn't my my focus. I think my focus is more so about, you know, do 
what what does this look like when we give it some level of credibility? You know, what happens when we actually say, you know, well, what if this is true? Just looking on the other side of the coin and just trying to investigate that, as opposed to the the trend, which seems to be to um, immediately dismiss it. I try to find, you know, just other angles of looking at it and just saying, okay, well, you know, I'm not automatically saying that it's true. I'm not going to dive off the deep end, but, you know, not take anything for face value. And mm-hmm. I noticed as I kept um, researching, when I was looking at these records, I was starting to see the discrepancy in terms of how records were kept or how classifications changed and how um, there's different incentives in uh, documenting people a particular way. So, um, <clears throat> for instance, one of the things that I thought was very interesting was the uh, the presence of Native American slavery. Now, we talk about that in history classes from time to time, but it's always from the colonial period, and then it kind of just ends. And the narrative that gets put out there a lot of times in academia is that, well, you know, Native Americans, they were enslaved early on in the colonial period, and then after that, it was kind of discontinued. It wasn't really effective. And, you know, in turn, they turned to Africa and brought African slaves to America. And that's how, you know, things are today, right? But one of the things I noticed was that it kind of lends itself to a racist narrative that I think gets overlooked but still endorsed. So, like, for instance, you say that Um, Native Americans were were enslaved, but they were worked to death so much because they couldn't handle uh, slavery. And I think that pushes this particular narrative. And that narrative is that Africans are more uh, more conducive to servitude. And I think that that's an ideology. You know, that's an ideological uh, element that gets pushed, but it's not speaking to the facts. It's not speaking to Mm -hmm. history. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I tried to explore that a little bit more, you know, because I I just came off the the premise that I just refused to believe that all these people just died, and you decided to go with with Africans, and then that was it. And as I started looking at the colonial records, you start looking at newspapers, um, you see the presence of Native Americans, of East Indians all being a part of this chattel slavery system right alongside us throughout the entire uh, slavery period in the United States. And um, it gets, it's present in the publications, it's present in certain laws, but it's not present in our history books. And it's not present in our minds when we're doing this research. And our first go-to is just to say that, you know, um, we're, we were, misled or we have a misunderstanding or there's some level of uh, dishonesty at work, but it's, I think there's a level of academic dishonesty when you don't address it. Because mm-hmm. I look at, for instance, the, um, the laws I brought up in the film, um, for Georgia specifically, the, uh, the Georgia laws that act for a better ordering and governing of Negroes in this province, and that was the 1850s. They established that all Indians, Negroes, and mulattoes and mestizos were deemed as slaves, absolute slaves, unless they were under a certain classification, unless they were in good standing with the government or the colonial government. So that means any tribe that wasn't in line with the government was therefore a slave and was subject to the same treatment uh, as an African being brought into Georgia. And um, when you take into consideration that you know, the Cherokee, or not the Cherokee, but the Creek Confederacy was just that. You know, it was a confederacy of multiple tribes. Um, Those tribes didn't all move in one accord. They had their own ideas about what, you know, what the the government should do or uh, what land should be held. So there were different people on that spectrum. So who's to say that the one tribe that disagreed wasn't lumped in with us and therefore subject to slavery, you know. And it's just to open up that 
that door, not necessarily to say, well, or jump to conclusions and say that this individual is now Indian because of this particular law, but just to say that, you know, well, there was a law that existed that made these people slaves. There were ways that we counted people on um, federal census records that allowed um, for this leeway to occur, you know. So um, it was more so just to kind of present uh, an alternative theory that I think isn't really pushed out there very often. Okay, so I have several questions uh, for you. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, uh, when you spoke of Georgia, was Georgia your only focus? Initially, or did yeah. You take it, did you take it broader? For the film purpose and for the narrative purpose, I focused on, on Georgia specifically. Um, there was a segment where we went to South Carolina uh, right along the border, um, but I also felt that that, um, that segment was pertinent because it kind of addressed uh, individuals that, that kind of conflicted with the narrative, you know. Um, and that was the, the segment where we talked to a, a, a group of Yamasi um, Indians in South Carolina. And so, um, and as I presented in the film, they, they conflicted with historical narratives, but um, they, like I said, they were in North Carolina, but they also kind of have the Georgia and Florida ties. So I wanted to kind of incorporate that as well. But for the most part, I just focused on, on Georgia, but the larger implications of what Georgia means for the rest of the country. The, the film itself, I think, was just kind of like the foundation for a larger conversation because this, this topic is so broad that it has to be um, studied in a comprehensive format that it has never been done. I mean, like I said, like the film doesn't discuss, it, it discusses slavery amongst uh, Native Americans as both slaves and enslavers, but it doesn't really go into um, the question about the, the freedmen, you know, of various tribes. It doesn't go into uh, slavery in the North or the Native American um, influence and, and presence in the Northeast or in the Mid-Atlantic or um, in the Southwest or in the West Coast or in the Caribbean and Central and South America, you know, and it's, there's so many ways that this could go. And, um, I didn't want, you know, my desire to talk about that to unravel the narrative because the narrative was, was there to, as like the core to help people understand and understand the. Okay, he's dropped the game, folks. So we're going to take a quick break. And while we're breaking, I'm going to call him back. Welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, with co-host Patricia Glover Howard. And you can join us every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where we will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, 
TuneIn.com and Stitcher.com. Well, you have been listening to Stephen Gale discussing his research and documentary on entitled By Any Other Name, An Exploration of Afro-American Heritage. Now, Stephen, I want you to take us back. I want you to take us all the way back to your thesis of what are you doing, what are you trying to do, because I, I understand you. your intent is to do a more in-depth research. So tell us about the research and what are you looking for and what kind of people you want to help you uh, engage in this research. Well, um, as I said before, like, you know, the, the topic is so vast and so um, – under understudied, I believe, you know. Um, I, I remember reading a book of, um, by a guy named Jack Forbes. Um, and in the, the prologue to his book, I believe it's uh, African Americans and Native Americans. It had different titles at, at different points in time um, in different editions. But um, in most of his work, he always addressed this need for a more in-depth study on the topic. And the more I kept looking into it, I realized like, how scattered information on this topic is and, again, how, how easily it falls into the air of, uh, of misinformation and, and a lot of misunderstanding. And I, I think, um, so for me, I wanted to, to kind of at least open the door to that. But the more I kept doing it, the more I kept noticing how how little is really discussed about it and how scattered it is. So my overall goal is to um, hopefully establish a center that handles that in terms of or addresses that issue um, in terms of creating comprehensive research um, based around that. So uh, an African-American and Native American cultural research center that that addresses the multi-tiered issues facing African Americans, Native Americans, and Latinos from a historical perspective, but then also addresses through um, various workshops and outreach in a contemporary perspective because all three groups have uh, certain socioeconomic issues that we're facing. Um, And I believe that they're all somewhat stemming from the same institutional marginalization that we're seeing um, or that we've been seeing since the 1500s. So, or since 1492, if you want to go that far. So, um, my overall goal is to kind of address that and help hopefully mitigate some of those socioeconomic or negative socioeconomic issues that you're seeing within these communities by, uh, by addressing the, the elephant in the room, which is the overlap between all three of these groups. And I think that's, that's fundamental in understanding and unpacking uh, the generational trauma that, that we've all experienced or the, uh, the lack of documentation, the lack of accurate documentation, the, uh, the legal system playing such a heavy hand in how we identify ourselves, um, how we identify others, and how that plays a role in our livelihoods. And so, right. I, think, um, so I think by, you know, facing that head on in the form of just, understanding the fundamental question of who we are and how does that, what does that look like? African Americans are a multicultural people. We're an international people, but we are really viewed like that and we rarely view ourselves that way. What happens if we, if we just look on the other side of that coin, you know? And what happens when we, when we really start to address all the parts of our whole, of, of the whole of us, you know? Address well, ourselves but in you the, are, in the But you are dealing with a very challenging topic. And I'll just quote from a chatter. The challenge is that the subject often is one-sided, coming exclusively from the African-American reaching out to the Native side. The narrative rarely comes from the Native reaching out to the African. So, Mm -hmm. And sometimes the attitudes from one side to the other can bring about surprising discussions. Right. And I think, um, you know, and I think just in that issue or just in that question, you can kind of see the issue, you know, or see the multitude of issues. So, um, 
for instance, like the idea of us always going to them, you know, this idea of us and them, like just that that dichotomy, like unpacking that, you know, that takes a certain level of work. It takes a certain level of give and take, and sometimes it takes more give than take, you know. Um, I think there's a lot to unpack when it comes to talking about our ancestry, but, you know, just because one party is reluctant, we have, you know, people of European descent in this country who are reluctant to talk about their slave-owning ancestors that are reluctant to come off of pictures and records of our own family members or shared family members, you know, that that's just part of that's part of the genealogical challenge, you know. Um, and I, but I think it doesn't mean that we should not or we should uh, lessen the effort. We should always have to. We should always try to strive for something different. And so, you know, and it's. And I try to make that point clear in the film as well. Like, I'm not trying to, to fetishize some other group as opposed to myself or as opposed to my Africanness or anyone else's, but it's the idea of addressing this topic that, you know, white people don't have any issue with dismissing because it doesn't pertain to them. Native Americans, um, some may have may not have an issue with omitting that or dismissing it because of what it might mean to them personally. Some of us may have a problem with, with addressing it because of what it means to us personally. But it doesn't mean that we should just ignore it. But there's so many things, so many roadblocks in the way that we have to address. And so um you know, I, I think I hope that answered or addressed that question, but uh well, the the other part of, of my question to you, though, is that because you're doing research, what is your thesis and who are you looking for? Who are your subjects? What do you want your subjects to provide to you so that you can get to the next level of understanding? I mean, you, you start your film off basically with uh, uh, Dr. Henry Louis Gates, asking everybody in the room how many of you have oral history about Native American ancestry and just about everybody mm-hmm. raising their hand. And then he says, well, you only have, you know, the, the, the research has shown that maybe African Americans only have maybe 5% uh, Native mm-hmm. ancestry, and then the rest have zero. And mm-hmm. so what happens when you have people who have grown up with this, I have Native American ancestor with hair flowing to the ground and high cheekbones, and they come with this this uh, uh, description, and it just doesn't fit in with any documentation to support the fact that there's Native ancestry within their their family line. Right. I think the first thing you have to to do is, um, you know, fundamentally unpack and deconstruct you know, what you believe to be um, factual information and and the way in which that information is presented to you. Not to just, you know, go with any rumor or go with any anything that just is said in you know, folklore or whatever that's said in your family, but unpack, you know, what that is. It's like, well, the documentation conflicts with that. Well, well let's look at the documentation. What, what was the incentive behind it? What was the, the reasoning for <clears throat> for classifying that particular ancestor in that form? So, for instance, um, you know, when you look at the mixed race categories in the census, um, they the only reason why they would be put in there is because individuals would lobby for them. Uh, you know, in political office, congressmen would lobby for particular um, categories because that would help or, you know, hurt certain political interests. Now, <clears throat> so when you start seeing a drop-off or add-on of particular uh, categories, you know, the people, when every time a category was taken off, where did those individuals fall? So, for instance, um, Native Americans, if they were on the census record, if they lived, on, if they lived off reservation land, then they were going to fall within a particular category whether it was white, black, mulatto, um, and that was it at certain point, in, in particular areas. 
And then um, once you got to 1910, there were different, there were other categories added in. So I think the issue is that the, cl the racial classifications are not scientific. They're not based in any factual information. They're based off of arbitrary decisions. They're social constructs. And mm -hmm. even though they give indicators about a person's background, they're not the person's background. They're just an indicator of their background. And I think when we look at these records, we have to address it or view it from that perspective. Even though we're used to saying, well, black means African. It may not necessarily be that. It may just be they're not, they're not what I think uh, a white person should be. They're not what I think an Indian person should be. Or there's no category that classifies this individual. So we're putting them in this category. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when you have the, the rumors in your family and they conflict with that, you have to, you, you have to I guess, dig deeper but not take it at face value. So just because an individual says, well, this record says they were black, so that's what they were. They were straight from Africa, and that was it. Or this record says they were mulatto, that just means they were black and European, and that was it. That may not be the case if you know how these records were even established, how, what the criteria was for by the, by the United States Census Bureau or uh, the Bureau of uh, Vital Records, you know, like the... Um, how these people were classified and what the reason why, what the reason was behind why they were classified as such. Um, and the, and the, the really interesting thing, though, you're talking about the classification, but, you mm -hmm. know, basically it was what the eyes saw. Right. And if the eyes saw a dark-skinned person, then the census taker would put, well, okay, that's, that's a black person, that's a Negro, you know, or that's a mm -hmm. colored person. Uh, so, as you said, you know, the, the classification was kind of arbitrary. Right. But or that may instance, be the only documentation that people have. It's a very complex, it's a very complex uh, topic to deal mm -hmm. with. It, it, it truly is. But I want to go right. back to my original question, since you, you are doing research. Mm-hmm. Who are you researching, and what are you looking for? What do you want them to provide you to help move this dialogue from oral history to wh where do you take it? Mm -hmm. So I, I guess there's multiple angles for that, for, or answers, rather. Um, for the film itself, the, the, the subject was my great-grandmother's family. And who were those people? They, they claim that they were part Indian. Where is that evidence? And if it's true, and I'm just going off the, present, the, the premise of um, it may or may not be true, right? Okay. And so as I was looking through the records, what am I finding that provides me with the affirmative as well as with the negative? And so I... Um, and what I, what I kind of found was you don't know, at least at, at this point in time. I'm not sure. And even though I can say, well, this record says this, but record said this, that, and third. You know, in terms of, like, proving beyond a reasonable doubt one way or the other. But there is a reasonable doubt in terms of if they were Native American and saying uh, they weren't, there's a reasonable doubt for me to be like, well, there's a chance that they could have been, you know, based off of how what criteria that they fell in, um, based off of uh, geographic location, based off the time period. You know, my, my second-grade grandfather was born uh, in what used to be right, right around the border of uh, Creek Indian Territory, right? That land had just been acquired uh, 10 years before he was born. So, you know, I, it's hard to say unequivocally who this individual was, racially speaking. So mm -hmm. um, that, in terms of the film, that's, that's where the angle I was going with. I was, you know, I want to find the, the answer, you know, one way or the other. And it's okay, you know, it doesn't hurt my feelings or something if, I'm, if my ethnicity isn't what we were told it was. 
and I had to be willing to confront that. Um, but what I found as I kept researching that, you know, all these historical events and the criteria of classifications, the, uh, the information I was coming across, it, it wasn't lining up one way or the other. There's nothing really, you know, concrete that could tell me one way or the other what what my ancestry was. Um, and even I even took one of the, the DNA end of it, and there were still questions. So I just tried to take the, the position of, you know, that hard-nosed juror that just wants to be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, now, in terms of, you know, overall picture, I personally believe there is a significant understatement of, uh, of Native American and African interaction, intermingling um, throughout uh, the, the southeast United States, um, throughout the United States and throughout both continents that we're just not addressing. And I think, generally speaking, we kind of know that there was this intermingling, but where's the, where's the uh, comprehensive study? You know, where's the thing that, where's the book that I could have referenced for the, for the film that would have helped me? And I don't mm-hmm. really see it. And so, um, and I believe that there is a significant understatement. So I wanted to, to, to look at that. Like, for instance, when I used the, um, uh, the Henry Louis Gates clip um, when he was in California in the film, um, <clears throat> and he said that, you know, one out of 20 uh, African Americans have any significant Native American DNA, right? My first questions were, well, that one out of 20, where'd that one person come from? That would that'd be the first question. The second one is, what's significant? Because, you know, 1% is still a significant part of my ancestry because without that 1%, I'm not here. I'm a different person. So, and it also speaks to generations. And then he doesn't really go into, you know, the uh, genetic recombination and, you know, how the DNA tests actually work, what the reference samples were for these kinds of uh, conclusions. It, it leaves a lot of open-endedness. So I, mm-hmm. I would just want to explore that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So while you're focusing in Georgia, are mm-hmm. you going to take your project to another place? Do you plan on just going throughout the United States? Tell us your your goal for where you're going with this. So uh, with the film, um, you know, I've, I've shown that at the uh, 20th uh, Native American Film Festival of the Southeast in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Um, it's also been shown in uh, in London at the University of London, um, SOAS, University of London, um, Berkeley, California. We showed it at uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, at the Warsaw Avenue Film Festival, and. Um, I'm currently trying to get it shown in, in other universities and whatnot as well. But um, okay, and with this film, okay, I, you you have a we have a caller online with a question. Do you have a question or a comment, caller six zero four? Get back to You're work, live. nigga. Okay, that question uh, that caller was uh, taken off. So the question is, so you've developed the film. So is the film mm-hmm. your project to go around, take the film, and use that film to stimulate dialogue? Or are you attempting to do something else beyond the film? Definitely beyond the film. So uh, the film, like I said, was just the foundation for that. So ultimately, I'm creating a follow-up web series um, based on the film uh, to to kind of extrapolate some of the larger themes. It won't be focused on uh, my ancestry necessarily, but it'll be simply the, the themes that were presented in the film and expanding upon that um, and kind of addressing the topic of African-Indian heritage um, in a variety of formats, whether it's through uh, culture, uh, various cultural remnants of, uh, of this influence, of this commingling. Um, through art, music, um, dance, culinary. Um, there's all these different women 
I also want to get into some of the local issues. Some of the I'm sorry, but we're losing your voice. Can you speak uh, a little clearer? So I wanted to get into some of these more, um, some of the, the, the remnants of the intermingling and some of these stories that we don't often hear about. So, uh, you know, just trying to, to discuss with different people in different academic fields uh, to show how interdisciplinary this topic can be and to, to show how, this, uh, how these two groups have interacted and co-mingled for a very long time and have influenced each other in ways that we haven't really addressed or explored. Wow. Now that's just the web series. Now ultimately, I would like your, to your voice is we're not getting you really clear. So, do you plan to include people from the Oklahoma freedmen who have documented ties to the five tribes? Yes. Now that is all essentially a budgetary issue. Um, I have, initially I was intended on doing that, um, but you know we were working with a, a shoestring budget would be generous. So. We were working with a very, very low budget creating the film, um, and a lot of it was out of pocket, so, and through uh, private and family donations. So, um, but yeah, with the film project and with the web, follow-up web series, I would like to, to expand it to include as many people as we can um, and to discuss this topic um, as broadly as we can. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, ultimately, my, my goal was to create a uh, cultural and research center that handles the or addresses the generational trauma that African Americans, Native Americans, Latinos have experienced um, because I believe that's, that's completely linked to, to these, to these uh, issues and to this overlapping of uh, cultures that occurred when Africans came to the Americas. Um, I also wanted to uh, address some of the uh, issues through programs and uh, various outreach programs and workshops, um, exhibits, and publications. So um, creating some, you know, some academic foundation, but as well as some social supports for these groups in the contemporary sense, I think would definitely uh, aid the process and create, create more comprehensive study around the topic. Right. So how can individuals get in contact with you to uh, further discuss your plans and uh, also share with you some of their thoughts on on what they can see happening with this film and this project? Um, Well, the easiest way is email. Um, You can contact me on that through... uh, B-A-O-N documentary. So by any other name, documentary. It's one word. B-A-O-N documentary. Um, at gmail.com um, as well as at B-A-O-N documentary and on Twitter. Um, we're on Instagram as well, but uh, we haven't been using that as much lately, but hopefully we'll get back to that. But uh, definitely Twitter, um, uh, Gmail, uh, Facebook as well, facebook.com slash by any other name documentary, all one word. Um, contact us through that. We have postings on the regular there and links to, to all the other social media as well as the film. Um, but, yeah, that, that's probably the easiest way through Facebook. That's probably Twitter, the easiest way. Okay, mm-hmm. well, do you have any, any parting words for us before we close out tonight? Well, first, I'd just like to say thank you for allowing me to come on the show and, and speak about the film. Um, and also, I would just like to say, you know, um, this topic is, a, is very sensitive, and I try to approach it with that, uh, with that sensitivity. But in the face of that sensitivity, we also have to be realists. We also have to be uh, forthcoming, and we have to address uh, the elephants in the room. So we have to to confront some of the things that make us uncomfortable if we want to truly explore our ancestry and truly explore our history. Our history is very diverse um, and also very painful and also rooted in a lot of issues. So I think, um, you know, as most people doing genealogical research, they they get confronted with a lot of uh, hard questions. 
I think this topic is a very difficult question because it, you never know what it can bring up. Um, and then on top of that, it has other uh, political and social economic and economic uh, factors at work as well. So I think when one wants to address this topic, they have to come in with a critical mind um, and also uh, a very honest one. So I would say uh, that's pretty much it. And if anybody would like to, to support or contact us, ask any questions, take part in any of the uh, uh, projects, collaborate in any way, so I'm open for it. Okay. Well, Steve, I'd like to thank you for coming on and just sharing with us your documentary by any other name, An Exploration of Afro-American Heritage. And for everyone else, please remember your ancestors left footprints, and you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and Beyond and AfroGenius Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji and also watch for the Black Progen Live with host Nika Soul Smith. Thank you so much for joining research at the National Archives and beyond Blog Talk Radio. And also check out my services at BB's Genealogy Research and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is www.geniebroots.com. Well, I look forward to all of you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, with co-host, Patricia Glover Howard. Good night, everyone. Good night, Stephen. Thank you. Good night.